Welcome to a Sunny Side Up Life podcast, a show for the woman who is ready to live an abundant life full of freedom and positivity. I'm Sammy Womack, and I'm on a mission to help you break free from survival mode, gain financial freedom, stay motivated, and focus on what matters most. Join the movement, and let's start living on the brighter side of life together. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another interview. I am so excited to have Kristen from Sense and Purpose on the podcast this week. Kristen and I have been friends for quite a while. She has been one of my accountability buddies, and I am just so excited to finally have her on the podcast. She has a huge YouTube channel with over 15,000 subscribers. She's a wife, a mom of two, and her and her family paid off over $54,000 in under 20 months. Like that's insane. And now she helps people learn how to love life on a budget. And she just has a huge heart for helping people get out of debt and reach their goals. And she always just has a bright, positive outlook for everything. And you guys are going to love her. She is one of the people on Instagram that I follow for frugal tips, for meal planning, for you know, things like that, things that people like me aren't so great at as far as groceries and like all of that kind of stuff. So she is one of my go-tos for all of those types of tips. And I am just so excited to have her on the podcast. And we dig into the debate of where is that line between cheap and frugal? And how do we decide where that line is for us specifically? Uh, before we dig into this amazing conversation, I want to remind you guys that this week, the doors open to the 2020 version of my free course, Magic and Money. And I am so, so excited that the new version is available to you guys and it's completely free. So I'm going to link in the show notes to Magic and Money so you guys can jump over and sign up. And even if you have been through the old version, because I know it was one it is one of my most popular freebies. Hundreds and hundreds of you guys have been through it. Even if you have been through the old version, take a couple of minutes, jump over and sign up for the new version. The workbook is updated. The emails are updated. Like the whole thing is just the 2.0 version. And it never hurts to have a refresher on money mindset. So whether you are brand new to Magic and Money and you're just now hearing about it or you went through it in the original version, you guys take the time, jump over to asunnysideuplife.com and you will see my freebies tab and you will see Magic and Money under there. Or again, you can go down to the show notes as always and find it. So I cannot wait for you guys to jump into the course. It is a 10-day free course, like I said, 17-page workbook that comes with it. And there's just so much more that we can dig into when it's videos and when it's a course and when there's a workbook that we can dig into here on the podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy it and I will see you inside the course. Now let's welcome Kristen to the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back. We have a really great interview today. I am so excited to welcome Kristen. So hi and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sammy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, we have been meaning to do this for a really long time. So I'm glad to finally have you on the show. 
Um, so tell us a little bit more about yourself, your family, your journey and all that stuff. I'll try to keep it short because I could talk <laughs> about these topics for hours upon hours. Um, I am a wife. I am a mom of two. I always say two humans and three fur kids. And my kids insist that I love the pets more than I love them. They may or may not be wrong. Um, you know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, so basically, the short story is that my husband and I struggled with overspending and debt and failing to budget for our entire marriage, our whole marriage. We've been married almost 17 years now. And the whole thing up until the last couple years were money stress, constant money stress, money fights, just always worrying about money, always. And eventually we got to a point where we just kind of hit rock bottom and we knew our marriage was in jeopardy and we knew that something had to change or we weren't going to make it. And we began a debt-free journey, paid off all of our debt in just under two years and have been budgeting and saving and life is so much better than it was. Yeah. So how many years into your marriage were you when you very first started this? When we started it recently and we're actually successful at it, we were probably mm -hmm. about 13 or 14 years in, in between there. Yeah. So why do you think that like it took so many years? Cause we were kind of the same way. Like we had tried and we had failed and we had tried and we had failed and we knew that it was like putting a strain on our marriage and what do you think was like that spark of like this time it's going to work or like this time it actually did work? Like, what do you think was like the, the deciding factor there? I really believe that timing has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. I think we tried, like you just said, so many times throughout the years, sometimes we'd even gain a little bit of traction. We would pay our debt off with a tax return or something, you know, some other amount of money that we would come into, but we would never change our habits. So we would eventually fall back into the same habits and that debt would creep up again. Or, you know, we wanted a new car or our lease was up, or I just think that we weren't ready, honestly. And when you try something and you're trying to make the changes, but like I said, you're not changing the habits, you're basically just putting the bandaid over it. And I think that's what we were doing for such a long time. And Although we had paid off debt multiple times in the past, we never changed our habits because I don't think either of us were truly ready to change our habits and change our lifestyle. So I think this time we were both just so exhausted. We were so sick of the money fights. We were so sick of every decision we made revolving around money. And I think we both knew that we just couldn't go on like this anymore. And we both had kind of reached our breaking point and I think for the first time we were on the same page and we were both ready to do the hard work and make some changes. Yeah. I hear a lot of people say that, like, I, I know so many people that they try, you know, like they try to start and it just, for some reason you don't get traction until that time that it just happens to catch on. Yeah. You know, it's a funny comparison, but I've had lots of family members try that used to smoke cigarettes and they would try to quit time and time and time and time again, because they knew it was bad for the health and they shouldn't quit, but they really didn't want to quit. So until yeah. they were ready and decided that they were sick of smoking and they did not want to be a smoker anymore. Mm -hmm. 
they couldn't quit. And once they decided to do it and they were ready for themselves, then that's when they would be successful. Yeah. I think it's, it's the mindset behind it, you know, and it's like your why has to be good enough. For sure. And sometimes just, just knowing that like, this is bad, isn't enough. Right. <laughs> um, exactly. Sometimes it's like, okay, well this, this might ruin my marriage or, yep. you know, we might actually lose our home, like really things like that. It, sometimes it just takes getting to those places before you're like, all right, this is enough. Like we're actually going to change this. Time. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So where are you guys at currently with your financial goals and all of that? Okay. Currently as in, as of last week, we just finished our next goal, which was saving $15,000 in an emergency fund. However, with everything going on with this pandemic, we have now decided that that's not enough. And we would like to continue on, but 15,000 was kind of our phase one goal, we, we were calling it. Uh, so we are now going to kind of move on and take a look at our investment strategy and take a look at being more serious with college savings for our children and talk about mortgage payoff and just kind of go, go from there all while still continuing to save little by little into that emergency account until we are at a balance that we feel super comfortable with. Yeah. I think a lot of people are readjusting <laughs> their emergency fund amount and their strategy and all of that right now. I think so too. It's been a wake up call. Yeah, exactly. It has been a wake up call for so many different reasons, yeah. <laughs> even above like our savings accounts. It's been really interesting to kind of watch everybody and how everyone has dealt with this pandemic financially. It's been crazy. Yeah, it has. So why did you decide to share uh, all of this with the world? I mean, obviously there's a lot of families and people who are getting out of debt and living on a budget and doing all that. Not every single person shares it like you and I do. <laughs> um, so what was the motivation behind deciding to actually share on Instagram and YouTube and, and your blog and everywhere? I think it was kind of a pay it forward mentality. When we yeah. were um, working to pay off our debt, I just kept feeling like we were getting these crazy blessings, like these crazy amounts of money, thousands of dollars were basically mm -hmm. falling into our laps, it felt like. And I just kept thinking, oh my gosh, how is this happening? How is this happening? I mean, we're Christian. So for me, God was in this journey a lot. And I truly feel like when God saw that we were finally being good stewards and we were finally being responsible with what we had, then he gave us more because he knew we weren't going to squander it and waste it anymore. So basically we had all of these different blessings coming in. And I just kind of felt, wow, this is incredible. Like, what can I do? I'm so grateful for this. What can I do to show my gratitude? And I just kind of thought, you know what, I feel like compelled to share this with others. And maybe just kind of sharing our journey and what we have learned through this process, because I'm, I'm not an expert in anything. I don't have any certifications. You know, I'm not a financial planner, nothing. But maybe just sharing this from my perspective as a woman and a mom, maybe that can resonate with somebody and maybe somebody else 
can read our story and think, you know what, that sounds like me. I can do that too. And maybe they can change their life. So it just kind of started as a, as a way to share. And I used to have a blog a couple years ago. So immediately when I was trying to think of how to share, blogging popped into my head. And then, you know, the Instagram, the YouTube, everything kind of branched out from there. Yeah. I was kind of the same way. I was like, I kind of had this moment where life was getting easier and I had more free, I guess, more free brain space because I had spent so much time worrying about money and worrying about like clutter in my house and being so busy and stressed. And I had all this extra brain power left and I was like, okay, how can I use this to be productive? Okay. Let's share, let's connect with other women. Let's help other families, you know? Yeah. And I think that's kind of just, I think the other thing to go with that too is when you're so excited and you're so passionate and you're making all these changes, like you said, you're kind of making progress and you free up some of that bandwidth. I think naturally we want to connect with other people on that topic. You know, if you're passionate about anything, you want to talk about it a lot. And my husband does not share the same passion as I do. (laughs) I do all the money stuff. He's along for the ride and, and he's, he's good with it, but he does not want to sit here and talk about it 24 seven, like I do. So I I think, you know, some of it was wanting to help others. And some of it was self-serving too, because I just kind of needed an outlet to talk about it all this time. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like you've got to connect with other people. And it's almost like I tell people all the time, like if you're going to get into to budgeting, like buckle up, this is your new hobby. Yeah. (laughs) Like you have to be a little obsessed, especially in the beginning. I mean, you might not end up like, you know, running a YouTube channel or a podcast (laughs) like we do, but, um, But definitely the first few months, I feel like you have to kind of get a little obsessed and dive in. But it's with that with any hobby or any, any habit or anything, you know, if you're going to start, you know, working out or like changing your diet or something like that, like you kind of, you have to be a little obsessed in the beginning and go all in until it becomes natural. Totally agree. You have to kind of consume yourself with it. And uh, I have a very all or nothing personality. So I tend to consume myself with whatever my, you know, obsession of the day is. And thankfully the financial stuff stuck around for over three years now. So I'm still pretty into it, but I agree with you. You can't just do it a little bit. You can't be one foot in and one foot out because that one foot that's out is going to continue to be counterproductive and derail your progress. Yeah. At least until it like catches on as a natural Mm -hmm. habit, like as a natural of life. I mean, you don't have to be like a hundred percent budgeting obsessed for, you know, the next five years of your life, but at least fully commit. I think the first few months of like, this is your new hobby. This is something you're going to check in with every single day. And, you know, until it becomes a little more natural. Right. And, and I think it also makes it more enjoyable because you start to like it more, you know, maybe yeah. you hate it at first, but as with a lot of things over time, as you get better and you improve and you start seeing that progress and you become more intrinsically motivated to continue and keep going. And it's kind of like a snowball, you know, just with budgeting, just with the process too, not just paying off the debt. Exactly. So obviously this isn't really the norm for most families and your kids are a little bit older than mine. And so I feel like you have a little more (laughs) expertise than I do. So what has it been like? 
for your family. And I know, you know, like my kids are homeschooled, so we don't have a lot of, you know, other families to compare to and things like that. But what has it been like for your family? What has it been like for your kids to kind of live differently than the norm? And how have you seen that reflect in your family? As far as the kids, I have seen a lot of wonderful changes in them. I feel like they are less spoiled. And even though I never felt we were really spoiling them, more so from family around us, uh, but I feel like they have really learned the value of money more. I feel like they have really learned how to be more patient instead of wanting that immediate gratification for things. They've learned how to save their money a little bit more. They've learned how to appreciate some of the things they have a little bit more. You know, we still have so much. We're still so lucky and so fortunate. We just spend differently now. So, you know, we still have nice things and we still purchase nice things, but we don't buy a whole bunch of other crap on top of it. You know, we now take take our time with purchases and do our research and make sure it's something we really want and make sure it's something we really need. And I feel like before it was just constant spontaneous spending because we wanted what the people around us had, or we wanted to be able to do what they could do. And there's been a small degree of kind of not isolation, but a little bit of detachment from I feel some of our family and friends just because we don't really want to go out to eat a lot. We don't really want to go out to the bar and spend money. We don't really go on a lot of fancy vacations, and other people do that. So of course we're not, I would say we're missing out, but we don't really feel like we're missing out. I feel like right. we're just so much more grateful for everything we have and we appreciate it so much more. Definitely. We're like the same way <laughs> for sure. Um, and it's just, you know, I'd say to people in the beginning of their journey, like you were saying about, you kind of have to detach a little bit. And I always put it like, you know, sometimes you just have to put your head down and just hustle yeah. and, you know, don't pay attention to the outside distractions. And when you get to a certain point, you, like you said, you don't feel like you're missing out because you're actually not right. Because right. You're actually working towards the things that actually matter, you know, and yeah. doing what is best for your family. And it feels great. And you, you don't feel like you're missing out at all. <laughs> no, I agree with you for sure. I, I, you know, things used to be so important to me and they're just not that important anymore. I still love things. And I disagree when people say things can't make you happy because I have a lot of things that really enrich my life and really bring me joy and really make things easier for me and more convenient. And those things do bring me happiness. However, they're not the most important thing anymore, right? Like they're kind of like, yeah. it's kind of just a nice addition to have. It's not the focus anymore. I don't obsess over buying things because I want to have what everybody else has. It's like a freedom. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And it like, it, it's not just freeing up your money. It's freeing up your mindset, it's freeing up that comparisonitis, it's freeing up, you know, your time. And, and it just, it really spills over into like every single aspect. For yeah, sure. It really does. Absolutely. Really what we, our main topic of what we wanted to talk about was the cheap versus frugal. And I think that's a really good segue into it. You don't have to be 
cheap and like miss out on all this good stuff to actually achieve your financial goals. So how would you explain the whole cheap versus frugal aspect? I think it's a great topic too, because I think the lines can get really muddy. You know, I often say, oh, I'm so cheap, but it's more of like a joke. I'm not really cheap. I'm frugal. So to me, Frugal doesn't mean you never spend any money and doesn't mean you'll never have anything nice or you never buy anything. To me, frugal means that I am willing to either do without or cut expenses or spend less on things that are not important to me and things that do not bring me value. Therefore, freeing up the money and the resources to spend on things and experiences that are really valuable to us. So like I was saying, it doesn't mean we don't have nice things. It just means, whereas I would go spend and buy maybe 20 things before, and most of them were just stupid junk crap from Target that I felt like I needed. I don't do that anymore. So now I can save the money on that and I can have the money to purchase the nice thing that means a lot to me and does enrich my life and does bring me joy. My favorite example of my cheap versus frugal is I I'm the same way. Like I say, I'm so cheap. I'm so cheap. My husband calls me cheap all the time. Um, (laughs) Like I just finally, I just finally upgraded my phone to an iPhone 10. And I, the one that I had before was a six. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, but I get my money's worth. And when I buy a phone, I'm going to buy a good phone and I'm going to keep it for as many years as the phone will live. And, you know, I'm not going to be super cheap and just go buy, you know, a crappy, like $50 phone. No, but I I, I am frugal to the point that like, I'm going to, when I do spend money, like I'm going to make it last. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to get my money's worth. Yeah. And it's funny you use that as an example, because I just recently upgraded my seven to an 11 and my husband kept saying, why don't you get the 11 pro? Why don't you get the 11 pro? So that's an example where to me, I don't need it. The 11 had a really great camera, which is what I, which is what I wanted because I need, I need that for work. So I could either get a newer phone or go out and buy a thousand dollar camera for work. Whereas the phone, you know, served many duties. And then I sold my seven to my daughter. (laughs) So I had money to put towards it on top, but I didn't even need a new phone. It just kind of, she needed a new one. Hers was broken and she was not going to get a 10 or an 11. No way. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, but I agree. I'll make it last. My seven was in perfect shape. I was fine with that. I was happy with it. It worked great. Yeah. And I, I do the same thing with my shoes. Like I, last summer I bought some Chaco's sandals Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. were like about a hundred dollars or so. And I got them on Amazon and I shopped around. Like I was, I was frugal. Like I shopped around, but I knew that I wanted a quality product. And these sandals, I will, I will wear them until they die. Like I will wear them for five or 10 years. Like I, you know, but I'm going to invest, like I invested in a quality product instead of just, I mean, I do have a cheap pair of target sandals also, but that's it. But that's it for me. You know, like I have a trendy pair of sandals that I can swap out every one or two years. I have my quality sandals that I know will last me like five or 10 years. And I'm good with that. And so instead of having a closet full of like 20 products, I have two. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a great example. If there's something I want that's trendy or something that I need for a specific time or occasion, that is where I will really 
spend much less and get something, like you said, not as good quality, just because I don't really care if it lasts and it's not something I'm willing to spend a lot on. But then, like you said, I have a pair of Ugg boots. No lie, Sammy, I got before my daughter was born. She is going to be 15 and they have holes in them and they are falling apart. And I had to have them shipped from Australia because they were not found on the Eastern coast, like anywhere over here at that time. And I still wear them. I mean, they look horrible, but they're so comfortable. I definitely got my money's worth. And, you know, I think the difference is when you're cheap, when you're truly cheap and you're not just looking for a bargain and you're not just looking for less is, you know, you're stealing extra ketchup packets from McDonald's and, you know, you are hanging your paper towels up to dry like that show, the extreme cheapskates. And, you know, I think when you're cheap, you're, it really comes from that lack mentality. It's like, you just think that you have to scrimp and save every possible place. And I think when people are super cheap, they're not really enjoying things. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong about that. But that's just my personal opinion. I feel the frugal side, I enjoy, like you said, doing research, looking for a bargain, trying to get the best price, and knowing, feeling confident that, hey, I might have spent a lot for this. But I didn't buy it spontaneously. I I really thought it through. I planned for it. It fits in my budget. And I know I'm going to get a lot of use out of this. And it is worth the money that I spent. And I think that's really the difference. With cheap things, too, how many times do you end up having to replace the item over and over because you were so cheap and bought something that was going to fall apart because it was cheap, you know? So yeah, exactly. in the end, you end up spending a lot of money any, anyway if you have to replace something over and over. Yeah. And I think it's like you go into it with the idea of like, okay, do I want this to last? Like you actually know the difference, you yep. know, and like with the, with the sandals, I know that my, my target sandals, they're probably only going to last two summers. Sure. And I know that they'll probably be out of style in two summers and I'll be ready to throw them away anyway. And yeah. that's totally fine. Right. You know, I'm, I'm totally good with that. And I do the same thing with like my kids use, um, for their toy storage, we use like the bins from Dollar Tree. Yeah. And I know that somebody's going to sit in one or (laughs) step on one or whatever, and they're going to get broken. And that's why I'm like, you know what? I'm not buying them like $20 trendy, you know, storage containers from Ikea or something, because they're going to sit in them, stand in them, paint on them, do whatever. (laughs) you know, and tear them up. So like, it's kind of like finding that, I think that balance in knowing, you know, which items are worth more of an investment, which items are like, okay, I'm going to want to throw them away in a year or two. Anyway, let's buy something cheap, Yeah, you know, and kind of finding finding that balance. But I like what you said about the cheap skates show and like the, you know, drying out your paper towels and like (laughs) going to an extreme where it makes you crazy you know, and going to an extreme where it's stressful and like, you're not, you're not living in a place of abundance and you're, you know, constantly thinking about it, stressing about it. Like that's not what we want. It's not, it's not. And I think the other thing to add to that is at least for me, my time is worth so much more to me than a couple dollars. So, you know, I'm constantly weighing the money versus the time, the money versus the time. And while it's important to me to save money and to be frugal and to be smart with my finances, also my time and my stress level, my anxiety, my frustration, all of that is often worth a couple extra dollars depending on the situation. And I don't think 
you know, when you're cheap, nothing is worth those couple extra dollars. So it's like you can save yourself a lot of aggravation sometimes by spending a couple more dollars in certain scenarios, you know, and to me, it's worth it. So like you said, you have to find that balance. Yeah. And I think like, it's okay if that changes over time too, because when I very first started budgeting, I did a lot of the like home economist type, you know, things. I was like, I'm going to do everything I can since I don't work outside the home. So I'm like, okay, what can I do inside the home that can help us reach our goals? And so, you know, I got into couponing and I was super, super into like meal planning and making a very detailed grocery list and trying not to waste anything, you know, and doing all of those types of things. Same, but same. it took time. It does. It took a, a lot. lot of time. Yeah. And like, after I got to a certain point, after we hit a certain amount of financial goals, I was like, okay, you know, I'm not like, I don't remember the last time I cut a coupon, mm -hmm. but you better believe like, I'm going to go and scan my receipts and fetch rewards, you know, <laughs> and like do that. But like, I'm not going to sit down and cut coupons for an hour anymore because I don't have to, because like we've reached those financial goals, but I was totally fine doing that for the first maybe two years or so of our journey. Yeah. Yeah, because now it's just not worth your time anymore. I mean, you're at a point where your spending's probably changed. The rest of your habits are probably changed. And those things are, it's awesome. We did so much of the same, the same, I did so much, not my husband, of what you were saying, because I wasn't working outside. Well, I had a part-time job when we started this. So I still was able to, to kind of do a lot of those same things. And I think also when you're the one not working, and I'm using air quotes, because we all know that stay at home or work from home parents in general work our butts off. But I think there's a sense of feeling like you're not contributing as much financially, especially when you're now super aware of all things financial and, you know, you're accounting for every penny. And like you said, you're completely immersed in the budgeting. It's like you said, what can we do to help to feel like we're contributing more, to feel like we're, we're kind of moving this process further along. And the home economist stuff was was like a lifesaver to kind of stumble upon some of those things and realize, okay, I'm not bringing the money in, but I can sure as heck make sure I'm stretching it as far as possible. And it is worth the time in the beginning stages of your journey, but I don't do, I don't do some of those things anymore either. Cause again, that time versus money, it's just not, it's not worth it. It's not saving me enough to make it worth extra hours of my time. Yes. I remember our very first frugal holiday was Halloween. We started um, in October. And so I was like, okay, like I was so pumped up and I was like, I'm going to do this super frugal. And like, I remember DIYing my girls' costumes and like really mm -hmm. shopping around. And like, I drove to the neighboring town's Walmart to like buy the things that I needed. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I found it the cheapest, you know, and I put a lot of work to stay under like a $30, whatever. It was like a crazy low budget. Um, and then like this past year, I'm like, Oh, order from Amazon order from Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> But I've gotten to that. I've gotten to that level and that's, you know, five years in. So I think right. it's like, you know, you just kind of things will change over time and it's okay to go in head first and be a little crazy, a little obsessive in the first couple of years even. Um, and also know that like, it's not going to stay that way. You don't have to live this way for the next 20 years, but 
right. you know, you can go a little crazy in the beginning. I love that. That um, I've done the same thing with going to all different stores just to try and get something cheaper. And yeah. then you think, huh? How much did I waste in time and gas to save $5 there? <laughs> I know, but like then I had the time. So I was like, all right, yeah. I'm going to save this 10 bucks and this is 10 more dollars we can pay towards debt. And I'm up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Sure, sure. Hey guys, I'm going to pause here for just a quick sec. So you guys heard Kristen and I talking about Fetch Rewards and Ibotta. And those are just a few of the many cashback apps, rebate apps, reward apps, resale, any type of money saving apps that are out there these days. There are actually quite a few that I use and love and would highly recommend to you guys. So I'm going to link in the show notes to not only my Fetch Rewards referral code, also my Ibotta referral code, and I'm going to link to my entire resources page where you can go in for free. Just give me your email address and I will give you access to my entire resource library of all of the things that I use and love, not just apps, even more. <laughs> and you guys are gonna find some amazing resources on there that will help you on your journey. So scroll down into the show notes and find all of the links that I have mentioned and I hope that you enjoy. So I'm going to link to your YouTube video that is your 50 frugal living tips. Awesome. And it is like over 300,000 views, which is insane. <laughs> it is like full of so many great things, Thank which is you. way more than we could talk about during this. But I wanted you to just share some of those ideas from that video. Obviously, I don't have to share all 50, but <laughs> um, share a few of those ideas with us. Okay. So one of the, the things that I talk about in that video and all of my money saving videos probably is drinking water. And it sounds really simple, but I carry water with me everywhere. I just have a reusable bottle and I always have it in the car or in my bag, my purse, my backpack, whatever I'm carrying. And I often make my kids bring their own water too if we're going to grab takeout or the drive-thru or something like that. Again, it might sound silly, but by the time you spend two, $2.50 per drink for four people, that's wow. $10 that you're wasting on, on empty calories anyway. So we don't even need to talk about the health aspect. <laughs> Obviously, water is better. But especially right now, you know, if we want to bring it current, think about how much more everybody is spending on their grocery bill right now. So a good way to trim that bill is to cut out all those expensive and unhealthy juices, sodas, pop, alcohol, you know, whatever it is that, that you drink. And this isn't coming from a place of judgment. I don't care what you drink. I'm just saying that they really add up and they, they're gone very fast. So they don't last long. If you think about it, um, you can really save some money there. And I also carry this, this might be a little bit of my super cheap side showing, <laughs> showing here, but I even bring my own water bottles into restaurants. Now, not like a super fancy restaurant, but if we go out to eat at Chipotle or something like yeah. that, I'll bring my own water bottle, first of all, because I'm kind of a water snob and I don't <laughs> like their tap water. I think it tastes weird. I know Dave Ramsey says you can't tell the difference, but I can tell the difference. I can tell the difference. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'll bring my own water there as well. Even buying a bottle of water there, first of all, I don't want to waste the plastic. And second yeah. of all, again, you're going to pay almost probably $150 to $2 for a bottle of water. You can get a whole case of waters like that at Sam's yeah. Club or Costco for almost the same, the same price. So that's one thing. Another thing is 
just some more grocery tips I talk about a lot in the video. Um, the one I just mentioned, the one you mentioned, which is scanning your receipts. I do that every single time I go to any store that will let me scan. And I know people think that that doesn't help, but it really does. So it's not, oh, yeah. they're kind of like reverse couponing, right? It's not going to give you money off the groceries as you're paying for them, but you can get those points. And people think you're not going to earn it, but you really do because I think you underestimate how much we really shop sometimes and yeah. you accrue all these points and then you can use them for things that you really need. I use mine for Starbucks all the time, but you don't have to. You can use them for Amazon and get essentials. You can use them for other grocery stores. You can use them to go out to eat if you don't have money and you guys really need a break from cooking at home. So it does save money. It's just kind of after the fact. Some other grocery tips that we like to do right now, we're not using our own bags, but we usually use our own bags. Again, it's a very small amount, but it all adds up. And I think that's one of the things that I want to just mention is like what you were saying, you might only save a little bit here or a little bit there, but that's one thing I've really learned through this whole journey is these teeny tiny like micro decisions that we make all throughout our entire day. Most of them we don't even think twice about. They really truly do add up both monetarily and habitually. They're constantly reinforcing our habits and it makes a huge difference when it comes down to money because you might only save what a dollar a day, but that's $365 a year, right? Yeah. So it does add up. And I think that's important to remember. Um, and the other thing I would say would be important from that video right now is I give a, a lot of different at home beauty hacks, things yeah. that you can do yourself at home, as far as beauty, and even when it comes to your cars or your home. And right now with us all being stuck in our homes, it's a great way to save money. And maybe even after we go back to normal, maybe you'll find some things that you realize you can do from home without a ton of extra effort and really save some substantial money. Like I trim my hair at home all the time. I still yeah. go to the stylist maybe twice a year, but in between I need trims a lot. My hair grows very fast and it's just, it gets damaged easily. I would spend probably hundreds extra if I didn't just trim it myself at home. It's super easy. It's really fast. Yeah. Like my husband does, like he has his buzz cut or whatever, like, you know, he has like no hair. He keeps his hair short and I have, <laughs> I have cut his hair for longer than we've been married. Oh my like, gosh. You know, you just do the trimmers and like you do it. And when my hair was long, I always cut my own hair. Now I just can't because I can't reach the back. But <laughs> Right, um, right, yeah. But that's why I kept my hair long for so many years. Was, I could just reach around and just trim it. And it was so low maintenance and it saved so much money. It yeah. really does. Because obviously, I don't want to, I'm not trying to take business away from any stylists out there. <laughs> I know they're suffering enough already. But for me... My stylist, who I love, but she's a good 25-minute drive for me probably, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just hard to get in sometimes because she is busy. So if I had to do that every six weeks, not only the gas, the time, the money, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. So, you know, finding, just really taking a look at everything you do in your life and everything you pay for and finding those places where you can cut the cost without even really feeling it. It doesn't have to impact your life in a negative way. 
Like yeah. for me, not only did it save me money, but like I said, it freed up a lot of time. So that was actually something I could do myself that had a really positive impact on my life and my schedule. And it doesn't have to be forever. Right. Like for me, I waited, like I knew I wanted my hair short, but I waited until we were to a certain point financially that I could budget that in every six weeks to go and get my hair done. Yeah. That was one of my like goals. That was one of my rewards. And so I knew I wasn't going to be cutting my own hair forever. I knew that it was just a temporary sacrifice Mm -hmm. like anything else. You don't have to sacrifice forever. (laughs) Yeah, right. And it's also that, you know, temporary sacrifice for the future rewards. So giving some things up now and going back to what we were saying, giving up the things that don't matter to you as much, you can still keep doing the things that are super important and super valuable to you, but maybe just giving up some of the things that really aren't as high on your priority list. Once you're in a different position, financially speaking, like you were saying, then you can pretty much do whatever you want within reason. I mean, your freedom you know, you have the freedom to do so much more at that point. So just giving it up for a little while makes it that much sweeter when you're able to go back to doing things how you want. Yeah, exactly. So did you have any more tips that you want to share with us? <laughs> um, one of my favorite money saving tips is to make your own, I always call them fancy coffees. So that would mm-hmm. be like, you know, something you'd get at Starbucks is to make your own fancy coffees at home. And, you know, I'm always on the fence. There's that latte factor where financial people are always going back and forth and you have the school that says, yep, cut out your daily latte. You're never going to reach your goals if you're spending it, you know, $5 on coffee a day. And then there's the other people that says that doesn't matter. You know, look at the big money you're spending, blah, blah, blah. But Mm -hmm. I personally... I know how much that adds up to every single day and it makes me feel good to make it at home and save the money. It makes me feel good because number one, I actually enjoy it a little bit more at home as much as I do love Starbucks. I like knowing exactly what I'm putting in my coffee and exactly what I'm drinking, the amounts of everything. But it's just, it feels good knowing I can still have this. I can still have a really good coffee and enjoy it every single day without number one, having to leave the house and go out to Starbucks. And number two, spending that money every single day. And then what I do is I cash in my, well, Fetch just started doing Starbucks, but I would cash in my Ibotta points every time for a Starbucks gift card. So if I am out at Target and I want to treat myself to a coffee, I'll only do it if I have a gift card. That way I can still get them. I can still enjoy them, but I'm not actually even wasting my money on it. So if you're a big coffee drinker, I absolutely think do some research, watch some videos, read some articles, hop on Pinterest, and just experiment with your coffee and find a recipe or a method that you absolutely love. And I promise you are not even going to miss your daily trips. And it will add up. I don't care what anybody says. $5 yeah. a day adds up that. But I think that's definitely, that goes right back to our frugal versus cheap. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, the little things do add up. And, you know, talking about the people who are like, focus on the big picture. Don't worry about your lattes and the other people who are like, cut them out. And I think it's like, you know, find a happy medium. Find like what works for you. If you are someone who has habitually spent $5 a day on coffee, yeah, you can cut that back a little bit. 
And then you hear the other people who will say like, well, your first mistake was thinking that I could ever afford a $5 coffee in the first place. Like I'm sure you've seen, <laughs> seen those me. It's like, okay, well, so that tip doesn't apply to you. Okay. Move on. Pick another tip. Right. <laughs> pick another tip. Right. And it's all relative too. I mean, obviously yeah. if you're a millionaire and you have plenty of money and you're not spending a lot of money otherwise, and you want to buy a $5 coffee. Okay. And I don't even care if you're not a millionaire, if that's in your budget and you're budgeting for, it and that's a priority of yours cool. Like that's the best thing about budgeting. Maybe you don't need to go to the hairdresser because maybe your wife cuts your hair every single day. So maybe you're saving hundreds of dollars and that way you can buy your coffee every day. If it's something that really means a lot to you and you can fit it in. I think that's the difference. I think the problem is when people are struggling to pay their bills and they're spending $5 a day on coffee, it just, the numbers just don't add up. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really looking at like, what are your priorities? What are your long-term goals? And does everything you're buying line up with that? If not, you know, reassess and go from there. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah. I will, um, I will for sure link to that video. Thank you. There were so many more tips and I will link to your ebook with the 101 frugal living tips. Awesome. That's a free ebook. Like that's amazing. That's so many <laughs> tips in there, way more than we could cover in a podcast episode for sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what can people look forward to seeing from you in the future? I think I, I just plan on kind of taking my readers along with me still throughout our journey, wherever our own personal financial journey takes us. I mean, now I share my budget every single month, my my exact expenses with my readers and viewers on YouTube, but I just don't know how long I'm going to do the specifics because I just feel to some degree you need to protect some of that privacy, but I do plan to continue to share. I plan to continue on with my blog and YouTube as I guess long as it's bringing me joy and allowing me to serve others in a way you know, that is helpful to them and and fulfilling to me. And I I don't know, I don't really have, I'm really trying to just kind of focus on the now. I'm not very good at planning things out too far in the future. So I just hope to keep making content that other people find helpful in some way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and your YouTube videos are so great and you have such a huge following over there. So that's, that's amazing. Oh, thanks, Sammy. Yeah. <laughs> so just to kind of wrap up, if you were starting this journey out again from the beginning with the frugal living and, you know, all the frugal versus cheap and all of those mindsets and you could sit down with your former self, like what is the main piece of advice that you would give her looking back? I really think the main thing would be to make her understand that it is very possible to love life on a budget. And that's my tagline from my website, because there are so many misconceptions out there. And I was just like many other people when I thought that living on a budget meant I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't buy anything. And it was going to be restrictive and smothering and take all of the fun out of life. And I think once you really learn and understand how budgeting truly works, you understand that it's completely in your control and it is none of the above. And in fact, it gives you the permission to do all of those things that you want to do and takes away 
all of the guilt and all of the negative feelings. And I really, really believe that having that come to Jesus moment and knowing we needed to get out of debt was one thing, but the budget is the plan. And the budget was like the roadmap to helping us see that it was possible and we actually could be successful at this and make it happen. And I think had we understood that years before and really, really, like not just had somebody tell us, really had it click, I think that would have been a game changer for us and really, you know, changed the trajectory of our lives much, much sooner than it did. That's my one my one thing I wish I could go back and drill it into my head. <laughs> yeah, I think that's perfect. I think that's a really great place to wrap. And I think that's wonderful advice. <laughs> oh, thank you so, so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. I love your podcast. You know, I love your thoughts and your teachings on money and mindset. And I'm really happy to chat yes, with you today. Thank you so much for hanging out and sharing. And of course, I will link to all of your stuff, your Instagram, your YouTube, your blog, you know, the resources that I mentioned, I will link to all of that in the show notes. And thank you so much for being here. Perfect. Thanks, Sammy. Appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out for another episode of a Sunny Side Up Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend because you never know who needs to hear this message. If you haven't already, please leave a review and subscribe. Reviews and subscribers are what help the podcast grow and what help new ladies find our community. And again, thanks for hitting play on this episode and for investing some time in yourself today. Remember that I'm always here to support you and I'm always cheering you on along the way. Don't forget that everything that we mentioned in this episode will be linked in the show notes. All right, that's all for me this week. Bye, guys.